You are listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today we are talking with Pastor Jeff Mose. Welcome or welcome back to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast. I am Lydia Miller here with my dad, Pastor Jeff, and we are moving into the second episode that we are doing talking about Israel and the conflict that exists there right now. Can you handle two episodes on Israel? It's a lot. It's a lot. But it's also very confusing there, so I'm kind of learning. Uh, If you did not catch our first episode, I would really encourage you, especially on this topic, to go take a look or a listen at that because we do some defining of definitions and words and groups and all of that kind of stuff. So we're just going to jump right back in. Um, because whether you know it or not, we're filming these at the same time. We'll just jump right back into the topic and talk about um, the tension that exists. You've just gotten done speaking about Hamas and um, that group, but there obviously is incredible tension that exists between the Jews and the Palestinians, maybe even more so than what we're really aware of, that you really feel and experience when you go over there. Yeah, and again, this conflict that's going on, even to this very day, uh, started at the beginning of biblical history. So recognize ever since the time of Abraham. So uh, Abraham was promised this land. Uh, Again, Genesis chapter 15, verse 18. It goes from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. This is their land. But recognize uh, Palestinians kind of come from Abraham, they see as their father, to Ishmael, now to Arabs. And again, I want to be clear on this because this is what my Palestinian or Arab friends would say. The word Arab is not a controversial word. It's not a derogatory thing to say to them. Arab just simply means this is the language. They speak Arabic. So anybody that speaks Arabic will refer to themselves as an Arab. Probably more people would refer to them as a Palestinian, but those words are really used interchangeably. So recognize that you know the Jews believe this land belongs to them from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the Palestinians believe that the land belongs to them, the majority of Palestinians, again, being Muslims, because Abraham, Ishmael, to the Arabs. So there's been this constant conflict sort of between Isaac and Ishmael and who got the blessing and who got the promise, because the Muslims would say that promise and that blessing went to Ishmael. Uh, Jews would say the blessing and the promise went to Isaac and to Jacob. Can I throw you a curveball for just a second? (laughs) Because as you say that, I think it might surprise some people because they might be thinking, well, I thought we didn't believe the same things that they did. Abraham is in our Bible. That story is in our Bible. They actually believe that as well. They do. And again, I want to be careful with this, but I, I always believe that most of the false religions in this world take some of the truth of Scripture and twist it. One of the foremost authority on cults in this world or religions in this world would always say there are similarities because, you know, originally Scripture was written and then they took some of it and then created some things new from it. So to this day, one of the most holy sites for Muslims is to make your way to what is known as the Dome of the Rock. Whenever we see that beautiful picture of that golden dome, uh, we always say, well, there's Israel. Uh, but actually, that is a Muslim, uh, you know, temple that people worship at. They see Mount Moriah, where that temple has been built on, where our temple, Jewish temple, was built. Also, where this temple that uh, they worship at, Muslims, that is Mount Moriah. For them, Mount Moriah was the place that Abraham came and he sacrificed 
Ishmael, not Isaac. See, we believe, hmm. according to Scripture, that he was there to sacrifice Isaac, that Isaac became the son of blessing. They believe that he sacrificed or was going to sacrifice Ishmael, and he became the son of blessing. So ever since then, there has been this divide between Jews and Palestinians over sort of this blessing, this lineage, and then who is Lord? Is it Allah? Is it the one true God of Israel? So there's always been that conflict between those three things, lineage, land, and Lord. Hmm. So let's let's talk about the land aspect of that then. So talk to us about the land of Israel, maybe a little bit more recent history of the tension that's existed. Yeah, and again, what you, you really do have to always go back to the beginning, and you have to recognize that almost 2,600 years before there was anything such as a Palestinian, the Jewish people were there in the land. Uh, 2,100 years before we ever even heard of the idea of the Islamic or Muslim religion, the Jews were living in that land. Uh, and later on, when we come to about 586 BC, that's when there is this Jewish revolt. They are pushed out of there, so to speak, out of the land of Israel, especially out of Jerusalem. They weren't even allowed to come into that city. So there was a sense in which at that point in time, many of the Jews were killed, they were destroyed, they were dispersed into faraway lands. If they stayed there, and some of them did, they were persecuted day and night. So from about 586 B.C. all the way to the War of 48, 1948, uh, very few Jews lived in Israel. Some did. If they did, they were persecuted, but most of them were dispersed to different areas around the world. But in 1948, they made a decision they were going to have one state and they were going to come back. And so that's where the war began. Uh, you know, Winston Churchill, they had gone through a whole bunch in the Holocaust, but Winston Churchill... You know, the Ottoman Empire, eventually they decided, hey, listen, we're going to bring the Jews back so that they would have one state and one place to live. So in 1948, Israel came with their strong army, and they began to push out the Palestinians. And it's a very uh, difficult time. If you talk to Palestinians, this was uh, really a tough time of struggle. Uh, the Jews would say just the opposite. Hey, listen, all we were doing is reclaiming the land that God promised to us in Genesis chapter 15. What's fascinating is this for the Palestinians, when the War of 48 happened, it depended on where you lived. For instance, our friends have Jewish or Israeli citizenship because they lived in Nazareth. But if you lived in different places, such as Bethlehem, you could end up in a refugee camp. You lived down by Gaza. You could have been pushed off the land. So there's just a lot of turmoil that exists between those kinds of things to this very day. Hmm. So obviously, as this conflict has risen again, in the news, it seems that there has been sort of this new shift of people, although um, Hamas did terrible things, and I think most people would agree that what they're doing is terrible, there does seem to be sort of this support for Palestinians and Palestinians regaining what they feel is theirs. So can you explain just the complexities yeah. um, of all of that? Yeah, you, you end up, whenever you go to Israel, to feel real empathy toward the Palestinian people. Uh, because there's a sense in which uh, the Jews can be less than nice to the Palestinians. They don't coexist very well. In fact, what Jewish people will often do is they'll set up sort of this settlement. They start with an outpost into the West Bank, which is Palestinian territory, uh, where they're not supposed to be, so to speak. It's kind of this dividing line, this armatus, this green line that runs down Israel on the one side toward the Jordan River, 
is where the Palestinians live, and then on the other side, on the west side, is sort of where uh, the Jewish, the Israeli people live. So there's a sense in which, you know, whenever they go into different areas, it's it's a struggle. It's why whenever you hear in the news, hey, there's another settlement, that's real problematic for the Palestinians because what they're saying is the Jewish people are taking the land that rightfully belongs to us. So. To this very day, there is still that constant struggle of it feels as though uh, the Palestinian people are oppressed by the Jewish people, even though the Jewish people from their side would say we're just reclaiming land uh, that God gave to us. So there's still that, that real struggle to this day. In fact, it's one of the things you'll often see in the news is, you know, this idea of free Palestine. Uh, the problem is Hamas is not going to do that. Hamas doesn't have love or care for the ha Palestinian people. Uh, honestly, they're using them as human shields and those kinds of things. But there is sort of this resurgence of this idea of the underdog being Palestinians and they're being oppressed by Jewish people, they believe. And so, so everybody kind of sides with the underdog, the people that don't have a voice, and so they stand with them. What I always found interesting, and this was long before this conflict ever kind of resurfaced in the news, is you would come back and you would share about, especially your Palestinian friends, it's such a personal conflict as well. It seems like every person has someone in their family who was either killed by the other side or persecuted by the other side. It is incredibly personal. And, and again, I want to tr try to stay is you know neutral on this issue as I can, because I, I really do understand both sides. Mm -hmm. The Jewish people, from my perspective in Scripture, were deeded this land by God. They went through the Holocaust, so they live with this tremendous, you know, we've been wronged, and many of our ancestors have been killed, and, you know, there's, I, I believe there's 32 Arab states, there's 52 Muslim states, there is only one mm -hmm. Jewish state, they would say, and it's Israel, and it belongs to us. So I get their frustration, but I also get from the Palestinian side is, hey, listen, before 48, we were here, and all of a sudden they move in and they try to move us off our land. Some people had keys in their pockets mm -hmm. and were pushed off their land thinking they would go back to their houses and were never allowed to do so. So there is still this real personal tension. Somebody probably knows somebody that had a suicide bomber that came in and killed one of their friends. So both from the Jewish side and the Palestinian side, I get it. They're, they're both hurting. They both feel as though they've been wronged, uh, and they're struggling to try to regain that. So let me ask you the million-dollar question. Is there a resolution that exists <laughs> on this side of heaven, or do you think this is going to be be in conflict intention until we walk into end yeah. times. I, I always like to think that anything's possible with God, mm -hmm. but from a human perspective, I don't see it. At one point in time, they talked about a two-state solution where that green line, that armistice line that they drew down, and they would just make that sort of a two-state. One state would belong to the Palestinians, one state would belong to Israel. But Israel has created so many settlements into the West Bank, into the mm -hmm. Palestinian area, that I don't know how they'd ever recover that land, nor do I think that's God's intention for sort of two states to be there. So I don't see it, uh, but I hope someday they would be able to somehow live in peace and coexist together. Now, I'm someone that, although I have great faith in God, I also have young children, and I've read the book of Revelation. And so speaking of end times, I always get a little bit of anxiety. So let me let me preface this by saying there has been a swell and a decrease in this conflict that exists in Israel for centuries, essentially. But talk to us about 
how end times relates to maybe this conflict or really any conflict that exists in Israel? How do we know it's a sign of end times? What are things that we can be looking for? Yeah, I, I think anytime something's going on in Israel, because we recognize that's the very place when Christ is going to come again and it sets in motion all of these events for the coming of Christ. So I think anytime anything's going on in Israel, you ought to ask yourself, how does this match with biblical prophecy? So, uh, you know, I've had tons of people mm -hmm. when this war bro first broke out, how does this deal with end times? Which is really a right question to ask. We mm -hmm. should always be sort of looking at the signs, reading scripture and saying, how does this fit in? Uh, when this war broke out, many people thought this was the war between Gog and Magog that it talks about in the book of Revelation. Again, anytime you hear the word Gog, it's really referring to a prince, to a person. Anytime you hear the word Magog, it refers to a land. So this battle that exists in Gog and Magog, uh, Ezekiel chapter 38 tells us that the armies are going to come from the north. Gaza is to the south. Hmm. So uh, recognize, you know, when it talks about you know, Magog, it's talking about armies to the north. Most people would say Russia, Iran, talks about Persia in Scripture. Persia until 1938 was known, or Iran was known until 1938 as Persia. So recognize that war is going to come from the north, Gaza's to the south. And it also says in Ezekiel chapter 38 that no one in that war will stand with Israel. No one. The United States right now stands with Israel. So I would say, when people say, hey, is this the possibility of end times? Is this the war of Gog and Magog? I'd say, well, maybe. We don't know yet. Right mm -hmm. now, I would say no, because it comes from the south and because someone stands with Israel. But according to Ezekiel chapter 38, if it turns to the north, and from my Palestinian friends in Nazareth, this is their greatest concerns because they're seeing missiles all the time coming from Hezbollah. You know, all of these are sort of supported and backed by Iran, Iran being to the north. So it could easily turn uh, to being a war from the north. That would fit biblical prophecy. And it's very possible that the United States could let go of Israel. You know, our president right now is under a whole bunch of pressure to pull out of that. If that happens, if they stand alone and it comes from the north, it's very possible. But I would say this, especially to you have children, because I know those end times things always uh, unnerve people with children. But before any of that happens, from my biblical perspective, and other we people might hold them, out. we are out of here. <laughs> the rapture takes place first. Believers in Jesus Christ are raised into the presence of God. Then comes the seven years of tribulation, and then this war, Gog and Magog, and eventually the final war, the war of Armageddon, takes place. Uh, but I believe you and I will be out of here in the presence of Jesus at that point. Mm -hmm. And then that what we are experiencing now um, could potentially just be the birthing pains that Scripture talks about as it readies itself. Yes, and I think that's what it is, personally. Um, I, you know, we used to talk about it this way, but if you go to a movie and they sort of flicker the lights, you know, hey, it, it's about to come. I think this is the flickering of the lights. Mm -hmm. I think the coming of Jesus is getting closer and closer all of the time, and this is part of the birth pains, these wars, these rumors of wars, these things, this conflict that we see going on right now, is saying, man, get right with the Lord, mm -hmm. share Jesus with people, because it won't be long yeah. before he comes again. Which really is, since it feels a little bit like a dun-dun-dun, a cause for celebration. I mean, if you want to be reassured, read, is it Revelation 21, where it speaks about the new heaven and the new earth and the perfection of everything that you know and love here, the land restored to what God originally intended. So it is cause for celebration 
for those of us that believe in Christ, but it also is motivation to go out and make sure that your loved ones will be with yeah, you. It sounds fearful, but for believers in Jesus Christ, there's nothing to fear. Mm -hmm. Jesus first comes to take his bride, the church, and that's you and I who know Christ as our Savior. So we have nothing to fear in that. Yeah. And, and it's really good news. In fact, Scripture is pretty clear. Mm -hmm. Pray for Jesus mm -hmm. to come. Mm -hmm. uh, hasten the day that Jesus comes. So mm -hmm. that's really ought to be our goal. Mm -hmm. Fix our eyes, heaven word, and pray for Jesus to come again. Well, hopefully these last two episodes have been episodes that answer questions, maybe even raise more questions. Maybe now you're like, man, I have even more questions that I want to ask about this. Um, but I would encourage you to, to research that. The book of Revelation is an incredible book to read. I know a lot of people are intimidated by it, but find a good study and study up on it because I think it will help put some things that are happening right now in perspective for you. Pastor Jeff, that's all the time we're going to give you for Israel. You went over it's on over. this one. I'm You're shocked done. you gave me that we, much. I know, I am as well. So thank you so much for joining us. We will see you hopefully again here next time. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.